things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Nico, you're on the couch with a cup of coffee. Good morning, Michelle. How are you? I'm brilliant. How are you? Lovely. It's a great morning. The sun is shining. It looks like it's going to be a, ni- a nice high-felt um, summer afternoon. A, ni- a nice day to stay at home as much as possible. Yes. Um, yes. Read a little bit. Have a braai, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you have that braai. But don't yes, invite too many people. That's all. No, no, I'm not inviting anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this will be a small bride because we, yeah, we're not yeah. going to invite anybody else. It's just okay. Uh, yeah, Good. we've got to be careful. Yeah, Nico, talk to yes. me about um, things, cars. They're those cars. things right, with so, four wheels. Yeah, things with four wheels. Well, mm. I thought I'd start today and tell you a little bit about what are some of the alternatives to ice engines. Now, um, what's an ice engine? Well, it's not a very cold engine. It's, uh, that's a very bad joke. Uh, it's, uh, ice is actually internal combustion engine. So what we use to petrol or diesel engines um, mm. are known as ice or internal combustion engines because the, 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 the mixture of fuel and air happens in a, in a closed area. So in other words, what we're driving is internal combustion engines. And of course, then everybody knows electric cars, even if they haven't driven them, they're so much in the news and the manufacturers are um, talking about that all the time. And more and more manufacturers are actually... Um, giving out press releases uh, saying by 2025 we'll stop the vel- developing elec- oh, let's say ice engines by 2030 we want to have almost all our cars electric and each manufacturer has different versions of that but uh, especially uh, European and German manufacturers are are big on pushing on saying soon we'll just be electric so yeah. um, and in South Africa we don't really have a choice we can't say well you know what our situation is different so well we you know it's just not going to work here. Because you might be working for a manufacturer or driving a, mani- a car from a manufacturer that will, in, in seven or eight years' time, almost make no more um, uh, ICE engines. So, you know, eventually, uh, the quicker we get on board, the better. Otherwise, those manufacturers might just not sell the cars in South Africa anymore. So, electric cars is simple. Electric car really is like the little toy car that you had when you were small. So, if you had a little electric car that you put some batteries in and then you had a remote, that's an electric car. Electric car is very simple. It has batteries, and the batteries drive an electric motor. So not a lot of working parts like um, gearboxes and um, uh, big cooling systems uh, and lots of radiators. Of course, you've got to keep the batteries cool. But electric cars are actually very, very simple things um, in their most basic form. Then yeah. you get hi- hybrid vehicles. Now, a hybrid okay. vehicle would normally be an ICE engine, internal combustion engine. Um, and then there's different versions of hybrid um, vehicles. But the, the, the one we had probably the earliest on would be a Prius. So the Prius had a battery um, but that would charge every time, let's say, you braked. It would charge the battery. And that battery assisted the, 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 the ICE engine. So sometimes that battery would work and help a little bit, might be with acceleration or at very low speed. The, the, the battery would drive its electric motor just for a little bit. So you had a little bit of energy from an electric motor that assisted um, your, your, your ICE engine. Um, then you get plug-in hybrids. Yeah. Now, a, a plug-in hybrid is effectively, um, and we have quite a few of them in South Africa, and I've driven quite a few. You have an ICE engine, internal combustion engine. You have a battery, look, norm, but normally located where the spare wheel is in the boot. Um, and that normally it gets charged by a wall charger. So it's almost a hybrid between an ICE engine and an electric car. So you, you can charge it at the wall, you charge the battery, uh, and then the idea with that type of vehicle is that you drive a short distance on, elect- on, on your electric motor or with your battery. And normally the range is, depending on the car, between 30 and 50 k's. Um, 
So if you drive, um, let's say, at around 110 k's an hour, you can do, let's say, 40 k's to work. So if you're driving not, not more than that, it actually can work out that you can basically drive on electricity to work and back. So you don't have to, the range is not a lot, but it's normally for shorter trips. But that type of vehicle works quite well if you're then worried about range because you can still drive to Cape Town and stop at a filling station and fill up. So you sort of have the best of both worlds. Um, and then, of course, um, you get other variants or other ways manufacturers are trying um, with other alternatives. I've driven, for instance, in Germany, I drove a car that worked on natural gas, CNG, compressed natural gas. Yeah. So it was a, uh, that car was a, an Audi A3. It looks like a normal A3, but effectively it has two tanks. It has a little petrol tank and a natural gas tank. Now, that compressed natural gas is much cheaper um, than, than normal petrol. So what happens is you first, the car always starts with the natural gas. It uh, uh, depletes the natural gas tank, and when that's done, it then goes switches over to petrol. That switch over is very smooth, so you don't actually feel the difference. But the, what it really means is that if you stop at some filling station and the navigation only will tell you where to go, you can fill up with natural gas, which is much cheaper. So that yeah. was an alternative. And, of course, um, um, interesting, for instance, the new uh, Kakai um, has an electric car, but the electric in, um, 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 the batteries or the electric part is actually driven by an ICE engine. So how that works it has an internal combustion engine, you know, like we, uh, in other words, like your car, but that never drives the wheel. So you would have a petrol tank, you'd fill it with petrol, but the, the, the engine is actually used to generate electricity that drives the wheels. So the idea here is that the engine is not revving up and down. It's driving, the engine is running at a constant rate. It runs at a, a fairly quiet rate. So what you're doing is you're sort of getting the benefits of an electric car yeah. with all the torque. Um, but you don't get that range anxiety because with electric cars, they talk about range anxiety where you start worrying about you're running out of electricity and where can you fill this up and how, how quickly can you charge it back again. So that's an alternative. And then one that manufacturers have tried quite a lot, which never really worked, was hydrogen, um, where hydrogen effectively, you fill up on a hydrogen tank, that creates electricity that drives an electric motor. But um, hydrogen cars, as I said, lots of trying with different manufacturers, but you don't really, I think in California, you get about, there's, I think, three different cars in America that run on hydrogen, but they're not really successful. So, Nico, if you had a choice now, would you yes. go and buy a hybrid car or a, any one of these cars? Um, you know what? If I would, I like, I, I like electric cars quite a lot, but they currently still only work if that is your second car and you live in a city. Mm. Um, and, of course, if you have enough money. So there's still a few downsides to electric cars. In South Africa, the network uh, isn't good enough to support it driving all over the country. The range isn't great enough to drive it all over the country. Um, and they're quite expensive. But to drive electric cars are awesome because they're really quiet. You, there's no noise from them. With the torque and the surge of torque, they really actually, as a driver's thing, really very nice. So yeah. they're nice cars to drive, but unfortunately, just they're out of most people's price range. And then really need to be your second car. So it's your, if that's your town car, but you still have a car when if you go away that can do the range, then they could work. Um, so they, they're still in South Africa, they're not as popular. If you look at like Norway, there's big incentive, incentives for electric cars. So mm. um, I think they're probably at the point now where the majority of cars in Norway that are new cars are actually electric cars and less and less and less ice cars. But of course, it's well supported with a great network of chargers and, and you know, they're way ahead of us.
Yeah. So I think currently still, um, <laughs> um, what is unpopular overseas is I still would actually just buy a diesel car because I still think diesel cars are fabulous. <laughs> 10 to 9, we're with SAFM and our petrol head, Nico Smith. And if you've got any questions, you're welcome to SMS 41391 or WhatsApp 0614104107. And when we come back from the break, we're going to answer many of those questions. Checker 6060 delivers groceries and drinks in 60 minutes. We have you covered in level two. Pat, uh, we're level three. Getting your weekend started right. The Jet Set Breakfast. All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Okay, Nico, a couple of questions for you. Is it mm-hmm. correct that electric cars still use coal for their electricity, though? <laughs> uh, well, you know, that's a, that's a great point because um, uh, it, I, it, it depends on the country. If you look at um, in South Africa, um, I would say that a petrol car probably currently is better for the environment than an electric car, because if you're driving a petrol car in South Africa, uh, our electricity is generated by coal. So it means ice engines are cleaner. If you go to Norway, um, they they have, um, I think they have lots of uh, hydroelectric um, um, ways of creating electricity. So uh, in Norway, for instance, um, they they don't use coal, although Norway sells a lot of fuel to the rest of the world, just offshore, they have lots of um, oil and gas. but I think it depends on the country where the electricity is generated. So in South Africa, yes, you're right. Our electric cars are coal-powered. Okay. Eric in Durban wants to know, could you tell us about the Rover 75 Club vehicle? How reliable is it? And is it a good car as a second-hand vehicle? Yeah, you know what? What would worry me about a Rover is the support you'd get. So um, I, I think the Rover it was, a, you know, it was a car that sold a while back. And um, it, it, it was just never very popular in South Africa. So what always worries me when you're buying a car, even if it, you know, it's in great nick, it looks good, it's well looked after, what happens when you're looking for parts? If you're going to find parts, you're going to battle to find them, even if there's some support, especially small little things might come from overseas. The car suddenly might stand for a while. If something um, breaks and you have to replace it, it might be quite expensive. So the downside always of a car that was sold and never popular is the, the replacement parts and the price of those. Was that car ne- not that popular? No, it just wasn't. So Rover never was popular in South Africa. It was sold for, for, a, for a relatively short time. So um, that's the difficult thing. They're not in South Africa anymore. So I don't know what the parts, I, 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 I don't know what the parts will cost. Um, I'm assuming they'll be expensive. I don't know, but mm. it, would, it would be something that I would consider. So I'm not sure how easily I can get the parts and what they would cost. Okay, so there we go. Um, Jill wants to know, do you have any advice for a reasonably priced small car that they can buy? It has to offer some degree of assisted driving, such as lane recognition. She continues to say that her son has the latest Renault Clio um, in Denmark, but, uh, and that they hear that that car is coming to the country in the third quarter. Yeah, well, well you know, I, I always, when you start something like that, and you say, okay, what car, and you na- then name a car, I would say go for a Renault Clio, because the Renault, um, uh, um, the Clio is, a, I would say, a very good car. There's, there's many options, but when you want the uh, assist systems, then you, the entry-level cars are suddenly sort of out of the picture, because as, so, something like a lane-keeping assist, in other words, what that does, it has a camera, and sits above the rearview mirror, and the camera effectively sees, um, um, uh, 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 captures light. So what it really is, sees is, is black and white or, or darkened light, so it can see the lane markings on the road, 
And then um, if the car needs an electromechanical power steering system, which, in other words, there's some self-steering function, the car would then see the lanes if, if they're clear enough, and then the car would sort of help you steer a little bit. So when you're driving, the car steers a little bit. So there's a bit of assistance from the car to keep you in the lane. You, if you take your hands off, normally about, depending on the car, from about 5 to 10 seconds, the car will then give you a warning and stop helping you. So they sort of keep you in the lane. But I would say some people, and me included, sometimes find them a little bit artificial because it's sometimes a bit of a pain the car. You know, if, 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 you, if the car feels you're wondering too much, it sort of brings you back. Um, so if you're a good driver that concentrates um, and, and really um, drives quite well, they're almost a little bit artificial. If you're not concentrating a lot on driving, they might assist you. But you need to really look at a car um, that goes around about 300,000 or more before you start getting these things, probably 350,000 before you start getting a lane-keeping uh, system. Yeah. So I wouldn't let that be my purchase decision on, on a car, for instance, like a lane-keeping. You get things like, a, like an adaptive cruise control. Again, a very nice system. Um, I have that in my car which is effectively cruise control, but with a radar system that backs it up. So the radar system actually would see cars in front and then brake and keep a following distance. So let's say you set the cruise control at 120. You then also set a gap. So when you're driving and there's a car in front, your car then really brakes and keeps the, the following distance between the car in front. Let's say they're doing 80. You'd go down to 80. If they accelerate, you accelerate. And if they move out of the way, your car then accelerates back up to 120. And what's nice about that it has an emergency braking system. So all cars, I can't think of one manufacturer that doesn't. So any car normally with a radar-based system also has some sort of emergency braking function. So if you're not concentrating and the car's ahead, suddenly brake quite hard, the car will give you warnings, either sound warnings uh, or brake jolts. Uh, most of these cars would also start braking for you. So those are actually pretty good. The lane keeping, not so much, but the radar-based systems are really good because if you're not concentrating, the car will intervene and warn you. Um, so that's something you could consider. Um, blind spot warning systems are also pretty good. Um, they normally have either a light in the mirror or a light on the housing. And two radar sensors, again, radar seeing the cars behind. And if there's a car in the blind spot, it would light up the, the, either the mirror or the side to say, well, you know, warning there's a car in the, in, in the blind spot. So those are, again, you need to start spending around about 350000 or more. But if you've got a son in, in, in Europe that drives a Clio, um, Renault Clio is always a yeah, very good car to consider. So um, the next question comes from KwaZulu-Natal, and I can see a mile away that it comes from KwaZulu-Natal, saying, it's from Kona, saying, please ask Brew Nico, <laughs> why do we never speak about alternative bikes in South Africa, electric, hydrogen, etc.? Surely there's a bigger uptake with these than cars. That's an interesting question. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting. I, I had a coffee with a friend of mine in Stellenbosch, um, and there's a bike shop that has brilliant coffee so we sat down having a coffee and he, he showed me he said listen did you know that uh, you now get e-bikes in other words you get a bicycle that actually has um, a little battery and you get some assistance but the fact michelle is cost you know they're mm. really very expensive bicycles that's why we don't talk about them because if you look at what you're going to pay for them um you know it's, it's not a normal bicycle even mountain bikes nowadays they're really expensive things so they're great alternatives but they're not for most of us they are more you know, for people that are really doing quite well and have quite a few cars in their garage and they're cycling and they're now buying um, bikes that support your cycling. And anyway, I think if you're cycling, it's, um, it, you know, you're working your muscles more when there's no support as opposed to some support from your bicycle. 
So is that a little yawn I hear from you? No, not at Did all. Did you have a late night? <laughs> <laughs> no, are, no, you, no. are you Where bored, Where the sound comes from, not at all. No, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm teasing I'm wide you. awake. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Nico, um, Ken Tosh from the Eastern Cape says, how would, oh, I don't know if you're going to answer this, but how would electric cars influence the electric field around us? Ooh. Hmm. I, I, I don't know if they're influencing any electric field. So what uh, electric car effectively, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, you're right. It's, um, I, I, how you would charge, I'll, I'll tell you how you charge them and then maybe that would answer something. So you could charge them at home. Yeah. You could use a wall plug, but a wall plug is not very strong. It might take you three days to charge your car, um, they, especially if it's a full electric car. Yeah. So normally the manufacturers would um, suggest that you put in a wall box um, and that ideally you have three phase or, you know, uh, let's call it stronger electricity at home. So you normally might get 11 or 22 kilowatt wall chargers um, and they sort of would charge overnight, charge your car overnight. Then when you go to, to, let's call them charging stations, so like a filling station, you get a charging station, they then become more powerful. So I think in South Africa, you might get 50 kilowatts. Overseas, you can get um, 150 kilowatts sometimes, um, more than 200 kilowatts sometimes. So you get very powerful charging stations that charge the batteries much quicker. Because yeah. the big thing with an electric car is how quick can you get energy back into the car? Because you don't want to spend five hours at a filling station or a charging station filling up the battery again. Yeah. And you normally want to drive, charge up to about 80% and then go again. From 80 to 100% takes about the same time from 0 to 80%. Um, so um, you get more powerful charging stations um, uh, at, or more powerful charging normally somewhere else as opposed to what you get at home. Because at home, you're not in a rush. You get home after work, you plug it in. The next morning, you plug it out. The battery's almost there. We, we, with, with a charging station, you're, you want to get there. You want to charge quickly to 80%, let's say half an hour, and you want to get going again. So I, I don't know how that would affect. Um, but, I mean, if you look at power, there's power lines all over. We, I mean, three phase running everywhere. You have um, charging stations. So the answer eventually is I don't know. So, uh, so this comes from, uh, we're not sure who this is from, but saying electric cars, according to a friend's research, a friend of a friend of a friend, um, creates three times the toxic emission during manufacture. The weight of the battery causes more tire waste and the plastic inside is glued together with toxic adhesives. So now, um, I mean, I think that's interesting, but, and it does raise an interesting question is like, is there other waste um, and... Um, Definitely, you know, as, effect. You know, as you said, Michelle, it depends on where the electricity is, as, as we get, where you get your electricity from. Um, um, and, and of course, there's other factors, but okay, cars being glued with toxic glue, I'm not sure. Cars have been glued for about 20 years already. I know about cars in the 2000s. We, one of the ways of producing cars is some of the bits are glued. So I think the manufacturers are probably sensitive to the manufacturing of the car itself. Of course, you can look at the materials and the batteries. So this becomes quite a complex thing. But in reality, manufacturers are pushing for electric cars quite a lot. Okay, we're going to leave it there. That's Nico, our petrol head, Stephen, the car hater in Cape Town, saying minimal effect on electric or other fields. They have to pass very stringent safety tests. Nine o'clock, it's time for the news. Good morning.